Well, I hope you're praying about who you're going to be inviting to Easter here at Coast. We're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's going to be great. And I really want you to do just what they said in the video. I want you to pray about who you're going to invite. Uh, I've seen the worship set. Uh, The band is always great. But next week, man, they are dialing it up. It's going to be great. I have a lot of special things happening for the kids, including an Easter egg hunt immediately after the service. So just be praying about who you're going to invite. I think we've put some invite cards in your program, and so you can use that to invite some people. Well, listen, do me a favor, turn to somebody, give them a high five, tell them Jesus is here, anything can happen. Well, I believe that with all my heart. You know, if you read through the New Testament, you see that any time Jesus showed up on the scene, man, anything could happen. Anything was possible. Miracles, all sorts of things would take place. So Jesus is here. The Bible says there were two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst. It's a small crowd today, but we have a small crowd with big faith, right? And so we're believing God for great, great things. Hey, I want to take a second and acknowledge a friend of mine who's here. Uh, this is Pastor Rick Brooks from North Carolina. Rick and I... Rick and I go way back when we were young men. We played in a Christian rock and roll band together. And uh, Rick is a fabulous drummer and a great friend. And I'm just so pleased to have you here. Would you, would you like to say something? Or You're good? You're good. All right. I will tell you, if he tells you any stories afterwards, don't believe him, right? Unless they, unless they paint me in a good light, and then you can believe him. All right. Hey, listen, I want to talk to you this morning about faith. And what faith is. You know, years ago when I was a young believer, as I just told you, I played in a, in a Christian band with Rick and a few other guys. One of the guys that I played in the band with was a guy by the name of Keith. And he was like an older brother in the Lord to me. And he was always encouraging me. He was always challenging me and, and pushing me to be the best me that I could be, the person that God had called me to be. And I can remember, just like it was yesterday, Keith had this old mint green Econoline van. You remember that thing? It, is some, it was some kind of ugly. Uh, but we would carry our equipment around in that until our band got too big to put our equipment in there, and then we were using big trucks and stuff. But in those early days, man, we would drive around in that Econoline van. And I can't tell you how many times I drove that van home from a concert or laid in the back on top of some speakers and tried to catch a nap. And, man, sometimes we would drive all night just so that we could be back in our local church to serve on Sunday morning. That was just something God had put on our heart. And uh, I remember I was talking to Keith one day, and he was sitting in that van, and he had, there in the driver's side, I was outside uh, in the sun, <laughs> and he was talking to me. And he was just talking about a lot of different things. We were just kind of shooting the breeze. And all of a sudden, he said something that became a defining moment in my life. I don't know if you've had those moments where it just feels like something just resonated so deep in your spirit that you knew you would never be the same from that moment on. I had that moment. And it was just an off-the-cuff remark, but God met me in that This is what Keith said to me. He said, Robert, wouldn't it be terrible if we were to die and the preacher at the funeral said, here lies a guy who had a lot of potential. Man, it just hit me so deep. This idea that I could die with my potential still inside of me. And here's the scary thing is people do it all the time. They die with their potential inside of them. Well, this statement hit me hard. I determined at that moment that I was going to live out 
everything God had for me. I didn't want to die full of potential. I wanted to do great things for the glory of God. And if I was going to do great things for God, I knew it was going to require a great faith. I want to say as we get started this morning that I believe in you. I see your potential. I believe that God has a powerful purpose and a destiny for your life. And I pray that just like I was challenged years ago to move beyond dreaming and into doing, that you will be challenged to live out your potential and be the person that God has called you to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, Rick, as we were worshiping, I I, I just got a word. I want to share it with you. As we were worshiping, I saw a campfire. Just like, I mean, it's like, and it was like almost like in a mountain area, but I saw a campfire, and the, and the fire had dwindled, dwindled down. It was like into embers, you know? And, man, you were there, and there was a big smile on your face, and I just saw this breeze coming in all these mountains, this wind coming in, and it began to come in and sweep into the camp, and as it hit that, those, those ashes, those embers, they burned into a great big flame. And I feel like God is saying that there's a, a dream that you've been holding on to, that, that, that you've been waiting for God, and God says, you're not waiting any longer. He's getting ready to do it. I believe that in the next six months, you're going to see a powerful move towards what God has for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, man, we want to be everything that God has called us to be, and that requires great faith. The problem is, we live in a crazy world. How many of you know, man? This is a crazy place to live. And now more than ever, for us to get by and for us to live out our destiny, we need faith. But what is faith? What does it mean to live a life of faith? Well, obviously, it's something that's very important. I mean, look at this verse from Hebrews chapter 11. It says, without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You see, the Christian life can be summed up in two words, love and faith. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see, when you begin to love God and develop this deep love in your heart for God and who he is and what he means to you, he begins to pour his love into you. And God never gives you a little bit. God never even gives you just enough. God is a God of abundance. And so when God begins to pour his love into you, he pours it to the point of overflowing so it flows into the people around you so that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then you love your neighbors as yourself. So you love God, you love people, and you have faith. That's it. But see, it's impossible to please God without faith. So what is it? What is faith? Well, it's kind of hard to describe. It's kind of like a diamond. It's multifaceted. In the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11 is the classic chapter on faith. And so I want to pull from Hebrews chapter 11 five things. There's so many more, but five's all I've got time for, all right? Five things that describe what faith is. Are you ready? Here we go. The first one, number one, faith is believing when I don't see it. It's believing when I don't see it. Hebrews 11.1. It says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. Say, it's going to happen. 
It's going to happen. Something we want is going to happen. It's the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us even though we can't see it up ahead. See, your destiny, God's plan for your life is waiting on you, but you've got to move towards it. You've got to be proactive and go after it. Notice the verse. Faith is the confidence assurance that something we want is going to happen. Certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we can't see it up ahead. That sounds like a contradiction. But here it is. Faith is seeing the future in the present. It's being sure of what you do not see. Man says seeing is believing. God says the opposite. He says believing is seeing. Some things in your life you have to believe first, and then you get to see them. See, God wants to give you, I believe this morning, he wants to give you a glimpse of your destiny so you can start moving towards it. How many of you know that what we see and what God sees are two different things? Most of the time, what we see is our circumstances and the things that we're going through, things that we're dealing with in life, the things where life didn't just quite turn out. How many of you have had things, some things in your life that didn't turn out like you thought they were going to? We all have. I mean, it's just a part of life. There's some disappointments that we've all been through. And sometimes it's easy to look at those disappointments and go, you know what, everything works for everybody else, but it doesn't work for me like it does for them. You know, everything goes great for other people, but it doesn't happen like that for me. And so we get caught up looking at our circumstances. But you see, God looks at us from a different perspective. He looks at us through the shed blood of Jesus, and he sees not where we are right now, but what we can become, where that potential is. problem is a lot of us die with that potential still inside of us. And I don't want that to be that case for us. What are you believing for? You know, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see what you're believing for. Well, my life just never works out. You're going to see that because your faith is directing you towards that. What do you see? Last week we talked about John F. Kennedy. Remember I said in 1961 he spoke before a a joint uh, thing of Congress and he painted this vision. He said, this is 1961, he says, by the end of the decade we're going to put a man on the moon and bring him back safely to earth. And they did it in 1969. They did it. Now, you need to know that when he said that, they they didn't even have the technology. It didn't even exist for them to be able to do it. Faith is believing things before they happen. Most cool things are an impossibility until somebody has the faith to believe for them. What are you believing for this morning? What is the dream that God has placed in your heart? Faith is simply trusting God to give us a way to turn our dreams into reality because nothing happens until somebody believes it's possible. What are you believing for this morning? Are you with me? All right, here's the second one that you need to know about faith. Write this down. Faith is obeying when I don't understand it. (coughs) Hebrews 11, 8, it says, It was faith that made Abraham obey what God called him. Obey when God called him. Faith, it was faith that made him obey when God called him and go out to a country God had promised to him. Listen to this. He left his own country without knowing where he was going. You remember this story? Abraham was living in a place called Ur of the Chaldees. How would you like to live in a place called Ur? Right? 
Where are you from? <laughs> this would be weird. Anyway, so God, God speaks to Abraham. Abraham is 75 years old, and God says, Look, Abraham, I know you're 75. You're thinking about kind of just cruising here for the rest of the season and all that. You're too old to do anything. But God says, I've got some plans for you. I've got something I want you to do. Abraham says, Cool. What is it you want me to do? He says, Well, I'll tell you when you get there. When I get there, where am I going? Well, I'll show you eventually. <laughs> well, well, what's going to happen there? I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. He says, well, I'm 75 and I don't have any kids. How's that going to work out? I'll show you. Man, this is vague, right? God, couldn't you have given us a little bit more information here? I mean, why has it got to be so, so, so quiet? But see, that's the way God works. God says, I've got a dream. If you'll start putting one foot in front of the other, I'll do something for you, but you've got to start moving. So Abraham takes off. Right? Sets out on a great journey to be the father of a great nation. I remember when I was a young youth pastor, we'd been doing it for a number of years, and Vicki and I started to feel something stirring in our spirit. And we knew that God had something different for us, that God was calling us into the, to pastoring full-time as, a, as a, you know, a senior pastor. And so we started praying about it, and doors started opening, and we started getting calls from churches to come in, and that they were looking for a pastor, and we went to several of those churches, and we preached, and they offered us jobs. And, you know, some of those churches had, you know, some of those churches were like church plants that were just kind of starting. Some of them were a church that had, you know, facilities and buildings and staff and all of that sort of stuff. And we would go, and we prayed. They would offer us a job. We'd pray about it, and we just never could get a piece. And so finally, Vicki and I said, we've got to really see God together. So we, we went and got a hotel room on the third floor of the Hampton Inn. You remember those moments? We went out there and we began to pray. And we had a moment where God spoke sovereignly to us. It wasn't like a Monty Python movie, you know, big head in the sky talking, that sort of thing. Robert! Yeah. There was no burning bush. There was nothing like that. It was just something inside my spirit. You know, I didn't hear the audible voice of God. It was just in me, but I knew it was him. My sheep know my voice. I knew he was talking to me. And he said to me, what is it that you want to do? Now, that's an interesting question for God to ask. What is it you want to do? Well, it was interesting to me because he had placed that dream inside of my heart. I knew what I really wanted to do. What I wanted to do was plant the church. And he says, great, you need to do that. Now, where do you want to do it? I had a heart. For Gulf Breeze. By the way, I still do. I still do. I have a heart for this community. And 67 to 80% of this community are not in a church anywhere. We got to change that, guys. We gotta, that's a dream. That's a dream for me. We're going to move towards that dream. So, so, so we knew, man, it was going to be a huge risk we didn't know anybody. We hadn't talked to anybody at that point. It was just me and Vicky and, 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 and Leanna. I mean, we just didn't, we didn't we hadn't even spoken to anybody. We hadn't even said, hey, this is what we're thinking about. And so we had nobody but us, no money, right? No facilities, nothing. Just this dream in our heart. We went back and told a few people, like Jeff and Pam McKinney and several of us, and we went in and planted Coast. Small little team of people believing God to do great ministry. And over the years, he has. It was a huge, huge risk. See, faith is obeying something when you don't understand it. There's a lot of people, they want God to lay everything out for them before they take a step. That's not faith. John Wimber said, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. 
There's risk involved. Faith always involves risk. God will put you in a risky situation because he wants you to learn how to trust him. As a kid, did your parents ever tell you to do something that, that, that didn't seem to make sense at the time, but later on you realized that what they were saying was wise and true? Anybody ever deal with that? Right? See, that's the way God is with us. He wants us to trust him. He's a good father. His words are wise and true. Now, one of the tests of faith is how quickly you obey God when he speaks to you, right? When our daughter Leanna was growing up, Vicki used to say to her, you're going to be a first-time obeyer. That means you hear it, you do it. That's what I want to be when it comes to God. I want to be a first-time obeyer. I don't want to have to have God keep nudging me. I don't want to, I don't want to have to be thrown into a whale like Noah, you know, because I didn't go after what God had for me. And I want to be there. All right, Proverbs chapter 3. You all know this verse. I just want to read the first part of the verse. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then listen to this. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't lean on your understanding. You put your trust in God. All right, but God, I, I, I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand. It's okay. Trust me anyway. Faith is believing when I don't see it. It's obeying when I don't understand it. Here's the third one. Write this down. Faith is giving when I don't have it. Did you know that? Faith is giving when I don't have it to give. Giving and faith go hand in hand. In fact, God uses finances to test us all the time. Talked more about giving in, in, in one service today than I probably have in the last year. <laughs> but, you know, giving and, and, and faith go hand in hand. It's hard to teach on faith without talking about giving. You ever had to make a decision whether to pay a bill or to pay your tithe? I mean, that's, that's a test. God is testing you to see how much you trust Him, how much you believe. See, there's two ways that you can give. You can give by faith or you can give by fear. Giving by fear is when you say, how much can I afford to give? Giving by faith is when you say to God, God, how much do you want me to give? Vicki and I, money is tight right now. We, we had done some things to kind of help uh, our daughter and things like this. It just made money kind of tight for us. So truthfully, if we said, how much can we afford to give, we wouldn't have given in the first fruit offering this time. But we, instead, we said, we're going to pray about what God wants us to give. And it's interesting. We both went and prayed. We came back and we both had the same number. We knew what God was saying. And was it a stretch for us? Absolutely. Were we having to step out? Yes. Because we're, we're still paying our tithe. We're still doing our offerings to the missionaries, all the other stuff we normally do. But this was something separate from that. We're trusting God. We're stepping out in faith. See, that's what it means to give in faith. All right? God, what is God asking me to give, whether I've got it or not? Now, this is a powerful aspect of faith to understand. Look at this verse, Hebrews 11.4. It's talking about Abel, Cain and Abel. And it says, By faith, Abel was commanded, commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And what he did is he gave in faith. If you read the story in Genesis, you'll see that he gave to God first. He gave God his best, and he gave to God first. And he held nothing back. And God honored that faith. Check this out, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 2 and 3. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he's talking about the Macedonian church. And he says, In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty 
welled up in rich generosity. Out of their poverty, rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. See, it's one thing to give to God when you have money to spare. It's another thing when you have to trust God to give. It's giving by faith. Again, man, when we started Coast, we had no money, no building, you know, no people, just a few people at that time. I'll never forget, we were trying to figure it all out. We didn't know where we were going. Pam, you remember those days. I remember a moment sitting at your kitchen table. And we were sitting there, and you guys had been with us at the church where I was a youth pastor, and you were uh, trying to decide, you know, what, were you going to stay there? Were you going to come with us? I remember we were sitting at that table, and Jeff, uh, Pam's husband, reaches over. He has a little envelope, and he just pushes it over to the side. I said, what's this? He says, this is our tithe, our first tithe. We weren't even at a church yet at that point. I want you to know, man, that was a faith step. That was a risk step. But God blessed it. And God has blessed that over these years and what he's done in this community because of you guys and because of your giving. It's an incredible, incredible thing. Your finances are a great place to show God's faith. Now, I've already talked about that a little bit this morning, so I'm going to move on to the next one. Number four, faith is persisting when I don't feel like it. (laughs) It's persisting when I don't feel like it. We live in a culture that says, do everything based on how you feel, right? In other words, if you feel like it, do it. If you don't feel like it, don't do it. It's all about the feels. How do you feel? Now, I want to tell you something. That's a guaranteed formula for immaturity. Because immaturity, immature people build their life on their feelings rather than on commitments, they build their life on their feelings rather than commitments. What happens when you live your life based on how you feel? Life is like a roller coaster. Man, it's all over the place. You're just all over the place. You're up and down one minute. You're always being manipulated by your moods. You're always flip-flopping around because you feel different from day to day. One of the marks of maturity is when you live life by your commitments and not your feelings. Truth is, man, we don't always feel like doing what's right. How many of you know that's true? You have moments where you go, I just don't feel like that. I just don't want to do that. You don't always feel like being nice to your spouse. You don't always feel like, like, like sacrificing for your kids. Hey, Dad, can, can I have the last cookie? What? <laughs> you don't always feel like that, right? You don't always feel like loving that person that's hard to love. Any of you have any prickly pear people in your life? Oh, man, hard to love, hard to love, right? You don't always feel like it. You don't always feel like shaking off those grumpy feelings. You ever wake up in the morning and you had not had a lot of sleep and you wake up and you're just kind of feeling grumpy and all you really want to do is just punch somebody in the throat? You know what I'm talking about? You ever have those mornings? Some days you just don't feel like shaking that off. You just rather walk in that. I'm just going to walk in that grumpy anointing today, right? Man. Somebody asked me, says, you ever wake up grumpy? And I said, no, I usually try to let her sleep in. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you knew I had to slide one in, right? One of those, I love those jokes that you boo me on. That's always something. How many of you know you don't always feel like going to work? All right? 
Monday comes around and you're just like, oh man, here we go again. You don't always feel like sharing your faith with your friends. You know you need to. You know they need to hear it, but you don't always feel like doing it. You don't always feel like tithing. You don't always feel like living out your destiny. It's out there waiting on you, but you want it to come to you. You want to just sit there and let the good things happen to you. No, you've got to go out and begin to do it. All right? Too many people don't reach God's destiny or God's plan for their life because they don't persist when they don't feel like it. Are you with me? See, the issue isn't what do we feel. The issue is will we do the right thing in spite of what we feel? Let me give you a definition of success. You want to know how to be successful? All right, I can summarize it in one sentence. Write this down. Successful people do what most people don't feel like doing. That's it. That's how you become a success. Successful people develop habits that unsuccessful people don't feel like developing, like using their time wisely, you know, uh, being persistent, sharpening your skills, those kind of things. Because most people say, well, you know what? I just don't have time. I don't feel like doing it. Pro athletes. Can you imagine a pro athlete that didn't? He goes, oh, I don't feel like going to the gym today. Well, guess what? You're not going to be a pro athlete very long. You say, well, I would love to play guitar like Jeff Gibson. Well, you're going to spend hours and hours and hours practicing your guitar, practicing your vocals, practicing all the, what is it, about 7,000 instruments that he plays, <laughs> right? You're going, to, you're going to spend hours doing that, right? Super salesmen, they don't say, well, I don't feel like calling on customers today. You know what else? You don't become a man or a woman of God just by feeling it. You have to develop disciplines and habits in your life, prayer, Bible study, those kinds of things. And you do it in faith when you don't feel like it. You ever wake up in the morning and say, I don't feel like doing my Bible study. I think I'll just sacrifice my Bible study and I'll get about 10 more minutes of sleep. And that 10 more minutes of sleep makes you feel worse all through the day you didn't start your day off the way you wanted to. See, this is what it means to have faith. Faith is being persistent. It's refusing to give up no matter how tired you get. Now, how do you get that kind of persistence? In this crazy world that we live in, how do you get a persistence that says, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep moving. I have this dream in my heart. It's out there. I know God's called me to a purpose. I know God has something for me. How do I not give up? How do I stay persistent in this? You might want to uh, take a look at this verse, Hebrews eleven twenty seven. 27. It says, It was by faith that Moses left Egypt and was not afraid of the king's anger. Listen to this. This is, the verse. this is part of the verse I want you to see. He held to his purpose like a man who could see the invisible. He held to his purpose like a man who could see the invisible. What made him persistent is that last phrase. He saw the invisible. Write this down. We can only accomplish the impossible when we see the invisible. It says that Moses had his eye on God, not his circumstances. God says, if you'll look to me, I will give you the strength to keep on going. Amen? Some of you that are here this morning, you feel like giving up. And I understand, I've been there. 
I've been there, man. I've been in those moments where I just wanted to give up. I wanted to do something different, anything different. It was just too hard. Sometimes going after your dream is hard. Sometimes just living out the life that God has called you to live is hard. Some of you, man, you feel like giving up. You feel like giving up on your marriage. You feel like giving up on a relationship. You feel like giving up financially. I'm just not making it. It's, I don't think I just want, want to give up. You feel like giving up on that son or that daughter that, is, that seems unresponsive. Listen to me. Don't do it. Do not do it. Don't give up. Put your eyes on God. Have faith in Him because faith is persisting when I don't feel like it. Amen. Here's the last one, number six. Write this down. Faith is thanking God before I receive it. A great example of this is found in the story of Joshua. I love Joshua. Joshua, uh, right there with, with Paul and David, is probably one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I like him. I, I like him because he went into the promised land before anybody else, along with a guy named Caleb. And he went in with eight other guys. There was ten of them all together. And he, Joshua comes back, and everybody was saying, no, no, we can't do this. But Joshua and Caleb says, yes, we can God will give us this land. So, but there's giants in the land. And Joshua wasn't deterred. And so Joshua and Caleb were the only two from that whole generation that got to go in to the promised land. So let me show you the verse. Hebrews 11.30. It says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people marched around them for seven days. You remember this story? It's actually found in the book of Exodus. The Israelites are crossing over into the Jordan River, right? They, for 40 years, they've been wandering in the wilderness because there was no real faith among the Israelites. And so the ones that had faith, the next generation, got to go into the promised land. So they're crossing over the Jordan River and stepping into this land that God had promised them. They are stepping into the dream. And what was the very first thing that happens? Jericho. The most fortified city in the world at that time. And Jericho had these enormous walls. In fact, there were two walls. The outer wall was six feet thick, six feet thick, and it was 20 feet high. That was one wall, all right? The inner wall was about 12 feet thick and 30 feet high. And between the two walls, there was a 15-foot walkway that was filled with the opposition. So not only were they facing a wall, they were facing a couple of walls, and between them was this no-man's land that was full of enemy opposition. It was a stronghold. Now think about this. The Israelites were people who had been slaves for 400 years. They're not a trained army. They have no weapons, they are, and they're going up against the most fortified city in the world. Those walls, those walls represent everything that tries to come up and stand between you and your dream. Try to stand in your way. Try to keep you from that destiny that you're waiting for. On the other side of those walls is your victory. On the other side of those walls is your breakthrough. On the other side of those walls is your purpose. On the other side of those walls is the dream that you've been waiting on and believing God for. And all you have to do is take another step towards it. Jericho. Jericho. I believe that every one of us at some point in our life have a Jericho in our life. We, we come up against those walls and the walls are standing between us and the dream that God has for us. And it could be a physical wall. It could be something in your circumstances. It could be a lack of finances. It could, it could be uh, just a lack of energy. It could be all kinds of circumstantial things. 
But how many of you know that sometimes the biggest walls are the inner walls, just like in Jericho? Sometimes it's the walls that we put around our house, our, in, our lives. It's, it's that thought of, well, I can never do that. Or I can see some people doing that, but, but not me. You, know, you, feel like, you feel like Gideon, you know, well, I'm, the, I'm the, in the weakest tribe in all of Israel, and my clan is the weakest in our tribe, and I'm the weakest in my clan. You could never use me. God used him in a mighty way. And sometimes the walls we put up, I just got hurt so bad, I've got this giant wall around my, I'm not going to ever let anybody hurt me like that again. And so we put up these giant walls that keep us from stepping in to what God has for us. So here they are, and they're facing Jericho. And God says, okay, here's the plan. I want you to walk around the city. (laughs) I want you to think about how silly this sounds. God says, I want you to walk around the city. This is my plan. Once a day for six days, just march around it in silence. You ever wonder why he told him to march around in silence? I can tell you why. Because if he didn't, they'd be walking around going, this is silly. Why are we doing this? We're just walking around. It ain't going to do nothing. Right? I mean, we're walking around. What's God going to do with this? Are you getting tired of walking? Yeah. I wonder what they're thinking up there on the wall. They're probably thinking we're the stupidest people they've ever seen in their life. Just walking around. God said, no. (laughs) I don't want you to say a word. Six days, I want you to march around this place, and I don't want you to say a word. And then on the seventh day, the seventh day, you're going to march around it seven times. And you're going to be praising me. You're going to be speaking the praises of God. You're going to be, you're going to be just going out there. And so I want you to be thanking me in advance all during this time for what I'm getting ready to do. I want you to trust me. It's going to be a statement of faith. By marching around, because you're believing, you're trusting God, and expecting Him to work. And I'm sure they felt silly. I'm sure they did, but they marched. And on the seventh day, man, they marched around. And when they came around that seventh time, they gave out a shout of victory. And the walls came tumbling down. And we're still talking about it today, right? How many of you grew up in Sunday school or children's church? You sang that song, Joshua in the Battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua in the Battle of Jericho. And the walls came tumbling down. We're talking about it today. Great faith. And what maybe seemed like a crazy thing, but they obeyed. They didn't even feel like it, but they did it because they were trusting God. Man, I love that. The walls came tumbling down. Isn't it amazing, guys, that we can read stuff in the Bible and believe that it happened, but we can't believe that it will happen for us? We hear all these Bible stories of people like David and Goliath or, or Joshua or Joseph or Gideon, Samson, Moses, Abraham, and we believe that God can do it for them, but that somehow he won't do it for us. He will. He will. And we start the process by thanking him in advance. That's what faith is. You see, faith isn't believing that God can do it. You know, you've got a problem in your life and you believe that God can solve it. That's not faith. Faith isn't believing that God can do it. God can do it whether you have faith or not. God's ability is not predicated by your faith. He can still do it whether you believe it or not. Faith isn't even believing that he will do it. That's hope. 
Man, I hope that he'll, he'll, he'll answer my prayer. I hope that he'll save my marriage. I hope that he'll help me get a good job. I hope that he'll help me get well. That's hope. No, faith is thanking him in advance. It's believing that God is already in the process of doing it. It's saying, God, I believe it in the present right now. God, you're going to do it. No matter what I see with my eyes, no matter what the circumstances look like, I've got my faith and my eyes on the invisible. I'm believing what I'm going to see and believing that God is going to take me there and that the answer is on its way. Look at this verse. We'll close with this verse. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. It says, when you pray and ask for something, believe that you have received it. Notice the past tense there. Believe that you have received it. You don't already have it in your hands, but you're already believing that you do. Believe that you received it, and you will be given what you asked for. That's faith. Notice it doesn't say beg and beg and cry and pout, and maybe, just maybe, if you're pitiful enough. God will do something. No, it says believe that you've already received it. See, if you wait until you've received something to thank God for it, that's not faith, that's gratitude. Thanks. Thanks for doing it. If I were to write you a check for $1,000, and I'm not going to, but if I were to write you a check for $1,000, would you wait until you cashed it to thank me? Well, you probably would, knowing that I just talked about my financial situation. You might say, we'll wait and see if it clears. All right, let's, let's try a different tack. If Bill Gates came in and he said, I'm going to write you a check for $1,000, you know he's got the money, right? Would you wait until you cashed it to thank him? No, you would thank it already knowing that it's coming. All right? That's where you're at. That's where, that's where you're at. The Bible's full of stories that show this principle over and over again. Second Chronicles chapter 20, there's a powerful story. The Israelites are getting ready to go up against three different armies. Three different armies. The Bible describes them as being as, as vast as the sand on a seashore. Right? Being in a beach community, you know how much that is. Right? And so God says, here's the plan. So I want you to get me a band. Just, just give me a band. And matter of fact, let, let's do that. Can we go ahead and bring the band? Band, come on up. Come on up. He says, give me a band, right? Give me a choir. And they're going to go first before the army. Because listen to this. You might want to write this down somewhere. This is important. The battle is fought in the supernatural before it's won in the natural. The battle is fought in the supernatural before it's won in the natural. You thank God in advance. You thank him in advance. If God gives you something to do, I don't care if God tells you to go after Moby Dick in a rowboat. You thank him in advance and take some tartar sauce, man, because God (laughs) is going to do it. God wants to do it. Faith is all about trusting God. It becomes our lifestyle. It becomes the people that we are. It's believing when I don't see it. It's obeying when I don't understand it. It's giving when I don't have it. It's persisting when I don't feel like it. And it's thanking God before I receive it. That's what it means to be a person of faith. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Robert, this is a message that I needed to hear today. I've got a dream, but I don't feel like I'm getting close to it. Can I just see your hands? Got a dream. 
There's a dream in my heart, and it just doesn't seem like I'm getting there. Hold those hands up. Hold them up real high. All right, everybody that's holding your hand, I want you just to stand up. Just stand to your feet right where you are. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to take a faith step and come up right here to the front. I want to pray for you this morning. Can I get some people just to come up behind? We're going to pray. Father, I just thank you so much right now for this dream that you've placed in people's hearts. Father, what you want to do inside of them. Father, I believe that you have this plan, this destiny. And if some of you that are here this morning, I want to speak prophetically into your life. You believe that 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 dream that God has for you is so big and so out there that you could never do it. And you must just be thinking about it wrong. And God is here saying to you this morning, that dream is for you. I place that dream in your heart. And you have a decision to make. You could die, and I could do your funeral and say, here lies a person that has a lot of potential. Or you can take a step in faith and believe that God is going to drag you (laughs) and take you right into this destiny that he has for you. Raise your hands. Father, thank you for every person right now. They have this dream inside of their life. They have this dream in their heart. They, 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 they start to see it, but they're, sometimes they're afraid to think about it because it seems like it's so far away. I believe some of you today, this is a pivot point in your life, and you're going to start moving in a new way towards this dream that God has for your life. I believe that today is going to be a turning point, just like my conversation with Keith sitting in the Econoline van where it was a defining moment. This is a defining moment for you in this moment where you say, I'm going after the dream that God has for me. I'm not going to let anything hold it back. God's going to do it in your life. God's going to do it. God's going to release the plan and everything. And by faith, you're going to step out and just believe that what God is saying, he's going to do. I'm just believing that for you right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for every person. Lord, I just thank you for them. I bless them, Lord God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just give them a hand as they make the way back to the Just stay in an attitude of prayer for a moment, if you would, as they find their way back to their seat. Everybody, just stand up with me. Just go ahead and stand up. Staying in an attitude of prayer right now. Let me just close with this. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Some of you, you're trying to face full-time problems on a part-time faith. And it's not working. It's not ever going to work. It starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you've never said yes to Jesus Christ then today's the day to do it. Maybe you're here and you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Today's the day to take that step. Or maybe you're here and you've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, but you've, you've never, you, 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 just, you just haven't really progressed in that relationship. And your relationship is not where you need it to be. If you're in either one of those two places, you've never asked Jesus into your life, or you know your relationship isn't where it needs to be, and you say, Robert, would you pray for me? Could I just see your hand? 
Now, I'm not going to call you up this time. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Just a moment. I want you just to pray a prayer with me. Just right where you are. You don't have to pray it out loud. God will hear you. Just say, God, in Jesus' name, I yield my heart to you. I believe that you have me. Believe that my life belongs to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to fill me with your spirit. Lord, as much as I know how, I'm going to quit following my own way. And I'm going to trust you. Even if I don't have all the answers. I'm going to persist even if I get tired. And I'm thanking you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's my prayer for you this week. My prayer is is that as you go about your week, you would go about it with intention in your heart, that you would know that God has something out there for you, that he's got this dream. And as you would start making conscious efforts to take even a small step towards that dream that you have. Start to even move towards it in a new way. And I believe that God's going to meet you there. Amen? Amen. All right. Hey, next week at Coast, Easter Sunday. I realize our crowd is small today, but go out and invite. We want to pack out every chair in this room. We want to have to put extra chairs down. Uh, Come celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's going to be powerful uh, worship set, uh, Easter egg hunts for the kids and more. How many of you will pray about who you're supposed to invite? Can I just see your hands? You'll just pray. Ask God, God, who can I invite this week to come with me to Coast next week? Amen. Thank you. I've already had people tell me they're coming, so I'm excited about that. Saturday. Saturday. Where's all my men at? Saturday is Men's Fight Club, 9 a.m. at the 98 Bistro. That's this coming Saturday. And then in two weeks, we're starting a brand new series that I'm calling White Flag, The Power of Surrender. The Power of Surrender. How many know that there's some things that we need to surrender? There's some things that we need to give up. Things like our feelings of inadequacy. We need to just give those up. Our our, our need for control. (laughs) We're going to talk about, we're going to give up our right to be offended. I'm already feeling the heat on that one, all right? We're going to give up our longing for approval. So we're going to be talking about that. That's in the series that starts in two weeks after Easter. That's also going to be our uh, family fun day. We're going to have food trucks out, bounce houses and stuff for the kids. There's going to be all kinds of things going on. We're going to just have our service and then we're going to party. That'll also be, by the way, the uh, celebration. We're celebrating that day of of Coast being 21 years old. Yeah, so that's happening that week. So be sure and be here for that. Hey, I want to pray one more prayer, a blessing over you as you go. It's my great joy every week as your pastor to pray this prayer over you. If you would, raise your hands. Father, I pray over every person that's here. I pray that you bless them in all that they do. 
that you pour your spirit out upon them, that you give them wisdom in all that they do, that they would walk in wisdom according to your word. I pray that your anointing would be on their life, that you would give them favor in the eyes of people that they come in contact with. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give them divine opportunities that they could tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said...